Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 29 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this podcast, and with me is my co-host, Andrew McQuiston, who I'm going to be discussing the AL East with today. And after recording three pretty long episodes in the National League, we decided we'd make a change while covering the American League, and we're going to try to split these episodes in half and talk about the top of the division and the bottom of the division. But, Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. Ready to uh, get back at it here. Been a, yeah. been a little been a little break. I th- This is one of the longer breaks we've had. I know we had that two-week stretch there a couple weeks ago whenever I was up in Chicago, but... Uh, we were hoping to record late last week, and then I came up sick on Friday and was out for the weekend. So just got myself right and got our show notes ready and ready to get start back back on the what, is it, what back on the saddle. Yeah, that's what they say. Back on <laughs> yeah. the saddle. Ba- back in the saddle. Back in so- the saddle. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Well. Before we get started, we do need to talk about something, at least acknowledge something that's serious that has happened this week. And this is coming out of the Los Angeles Angels organization. They suffered a loss. I think most of you or all of you who are listening to the show already know about this. But Tyler Skaggs, 27-year-old pitcher with the Angels, suddenly passed away on Sunday night or Monday morning. He was found in his hotel and he has left us, and it's a big mystery right now on what happened, but it's absolutely awful that something like this could happen to a man who's so young. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, really sad. I watched a video this morning of the Angels broadcast team, like just kind of talking about it. It was about a four-and-a-half-minute clip I just saw on Twitter, and uh, – he was just such a positive person in that clubhouse and with the teammate, you know, with the team and the teammates. And they made like a reference to how much Griffin Canning looked up to him and stuff like that. It's, it's terrible. It's really, really sad. You can tell a lot, you know, when somebody goes, everybody always says nice things, but you can tell just by seeing the tweets from these teammates and former teammates a lot of guys from arizona and uh, other people that just knew him because they played uh, in the minor leagues together in different leagues and you can just tell he was real well respected and liked out there and it's just it's not fair to see that happen to a 27 year old man who just got married last winter and now he's gone it's just surreal weren't you Weren't you watching the MLB Network yesterday when this happened? Was that you that was talking about that, or no. was it somebody else? No, it wasn't me. I didn't. Not when it happened, no. MLB Network, I've heard a lot of praise. It's kind of another weird thing to say. Praise. I've given a lot of compliments given to them for how they handled it, because those guys who were working on the network live when this happened, they apparently, MLB Network had a, ran a, just handled themselves real well given that situation i'd be curious to know exactly what was said but i unfortunately missed out on that but either way thoughts and prayers to the angels organization his family members everything everybody else and we're gonna get started here now and just talk about the standings and move on but thoughts are with you guys yep 
Okay, well, we're going to talk about the American League East, and we're going to start off talking about the standings. And like I said at the top of the show, we're probably just going to talk Yankees and Rays tonight on this episode we're recording. And then we're going to record shortly after the Boston Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and Orioles, and hope to get that to you guys in a couple days afterwards. And here are the American League standings. Right now, the Yankees are with a five and a half game lead are 54 and 29. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are in second place at 50 and 36, five and a half games back. The Boston Red Sox are 45 and 40 at 10 games back. The Blue Jays significantly behind them at 32 and 54 and 23 and a half games back. And the Baltimore Orioles, 24 and 61, and they are already 31 games back. What really struck out to me when I was looking at these division standings right now is that these teams are really far spread apart. The Yankees have a pretty clear lead in the division, and I say pretty clear. I mean, they're five and a half games up, and that's the close. And the Red Sox are four and a half games back to where the closest gap in the American League of any of the teams is four and a half games apart. And looking at the other divisions, there you just don't see that. That's crazy to see how spread out these are, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, the Yankees are way out in front and Baltimore's really bad. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. And what really blew me away and it got me doing some digging here, the Baltimore Orioles, we just are crossing the halfway point and they're 31 games out of first place. And it got me thinking to myself, they really can't finish 55 plus games out of first place. Can they? And I went to go look, and I went and looked at last year's standings because to go see exactly how far they finished out at that point. And last year they finished 61 games out of fi- first place. That's absolutely bonkers, Andrew. Yeah, 61 games out. Yeah, it doesn't even seem possible. Uh, there were times in my life where there were probably nobody, there were seasons where maybe the worst team finished with 61 wins. And they're finishing that far behind. Yeah. And it got me to do some digging. So I'm like, has this been the case or is something changing here? And I went and back, looked back at the standings for every division for the, this decade. And I went to see what the biggest gap between first and last place was. And like I said, last year, Boston and Baltimore were 61 games apart. And then 2017, you got the Dodgers and Giants. They were 40 games apart. 2016, the Indians and Twins, um, and then also in the National League Central, the Cubs and Reds, they were all 35 and a half games apart. The Cardinals and Reds in 2015 were 36. In 2014, the Angels and Rangers were 31 games apart. And that actually surprised me because I did not remember that Mike Trout was in the playoffs on a 98-win team. Do you Do you even remember Trout in the playoffs, Andrew? No, not really. Were they a wild card? No, they no, won the division. They won the division. A ninety-eight Not win really. team. Yeah, that's. I mean, five years ago. That, I don't know. I don't really remember it. And you know, my wife says I've got the memory of a fish, and she's right. I forget a lot of stuff. 
to hear you say that too, that just show that says a lot to me. For yeah, I I feel surprising. like I have uh, I feel like I have a pretty good memory, but you do. I don't uh, I don't really remember. I mean, I do remember him being in the playoffs at some point, but I definitely don't remember it being a '98 win team and them winning the division. Obviously, because they, yeah, no, it's weird. Anyway. The A's finished in first place over the Astros by 45 games in 2013. The Reds over the Astros, because the Astros at this point in 2012 were in the NL Central still. They were 42 games back. 2011, same theme. Brewers and Astros, 40 games apart. And in 2010, the Reds and Pirates were 34 games apart. So from 2010 to 2017... The biggest gap from first to last place was 45 games. And now for the second year in a row, we may have two teams finish 50, maybe even 60 games apart. <laughs> is is this bad for the game, Andrew? Uh no, I don't think I don't think it's bad for the game. I don't think about it too much. I mean, it's just some teams are really good and some teams are really bad, but that gap sure is wide in that division. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. I hope you're right. I, what I realize about, you know, the National League the last couple of years, I thought, you know, the Dodgers seems like they're going to run away with that division, but the other two divisions are at least exciting. The American League has felt like we knew who the top teams were going to be going into the year, and yeah, we've got, a, we've got one difference in the AL Central that I don't think any of us were seeing, but... I hope I hope you're right with that, and I hope it doesn't hurt the game. That and it probably won't for the same reason that you look at the Astros finishing forty back those three or four years in a row, and here they are now a dominant team in the league because they built they rebuilt, and I know that's what Baltimore's trying to do. So maybe it's just the way it is. The game is now, and it'll be fine. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Yankees now, and. For years, this organization has driven me nuts. And what bothered me about them is how recklessly they spent. And I think mostly I'm talking about the George Steinbrenner era. But And it, it just didn't matter what if the contract didn't work out. They'd just go sign another guy and throw more money on top of bad money. But in the last five years or so, Brian Cashman has really seemed to change this franchise around. After hitting some contracts of... After let I should say after letting some contracts of underperforming players fall off, and he really didn't spend that money immediately afterwards. Last year, their payroll actually fell down below the luxury tax for the first time in a long time at 179 million. And this year, they're spent some more money, um, and their payroll this year looks like it might be at 209 million, according to roster resource, which is just above the luxury thresh threshold which i'm seeing should be at 206 million this year and but the yankees are being mindful of their spending they aren't spending big ticket free agents like they were every like in the off seasons they like have passed instead they're buying free agents like dj lemayhew adam Ottavino, zach britton and it seems to be working they're stacked well on the farm their roster's deep and this franchise just seems like it's in a real good place right now yeah, they're absolutely loaded. I mean, they're in first by like five, six games. 
and they've had guys injured all season. I mean, you could make the argument coming into the year that Stanton was one of the leading MVP candidates along with Judge, and they've been out the majority of the season, especially Stanton. I mean, he's basically been out all season. So what they're doing is absolutely incredible. I mean, with everything that's gone on and they just, you know, it's like their backups are as good as or better than most teams. It's it's totally crazy. It's Dodger-like. It's yeah. what we've joked about with the Dodgers in terms of how many injuries does it take for them to not be a first-place team. The Yankees have almost put that to the test this year. Yeah, Aaron I mean, and even, even Severino, too. And It's just yep. he hasn't even pitched all year. I mean, their best pitcher coming into the year they're two best hitters pretty much i mean yep. judges i mean you could you could argue it i guess but not, not really to me it's agreed yeah it's just to, it's totally nuts i mean i like they've got if they don't have the best record in the league they're close i, I don't have it all in front of me but Let's they're see. definitely right there best record nationally only the dodgers Dodger, are ahead dodgers of them. yeah and yeah. it's very close so crazy it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, with all the injuries they've had. It's just And this was supposed to be the season that the Yankees were breaking home run records. Some were saying Judge and Stanton would both hit 50-plus home runs. I think that was predicted on our prediction show by a couple of our listeners. But yeah, injuries, I, was, I was one of them. Were you? I, I thought yeah. you might have had it too, but I didn't yeah. have your predictions written down. No, yeah, I, I had that. Yeah. I and, feel like I feel like I might be good to go if they were just healthy, but yes, yeah. you know, that's what it is. Injuries have washed out a big chunk of both their seasons. Judge is back, and he's off to a great start. But Stanton's also just returned and quickly went right back on the injured list. What was originally labeled a knee contusion, and now they're saying he won't even be back in July. There aren't many players this year who have had worse luck than Stanton. I'd say. Yeah, it's been really rough. It's like one thing after the other. Yeah, and that had me go look and see exactly. I had a startup dynasty in February. I know you did too. I went and looked at my draft to see where Stanton went. And he went in the middle of the second round, which would have been pick 24. And if I would think if somebody was doing a startup dynasty right now or after this year, I'd say that has to at least fall a little bit with how many injuries he's had this year, doesn't it? Uh, probably. Yeah. I, he went in RM three, he went 36. So, wow. That's significantly later. Yeah. A little different depending on the draft, I guess, but yeah, he's, he, he's probably going to drop next year. I mean, he, you know, if he crushes at August, September in the playoffs, you know, maybe not, but there'll definitely be people next season that are just like he's injury prone and they don't want anything to do with it. I couldn't see him slipping much further than 36. Where I think that's really low. If I recall right, you were really upset. Didn't he just go the pick before you yeah. or something? Yeah, he went to pick before me. I was going to yeah. take him. I just remembered that. Yep. He had fallen far enough. And that's a great value. And I still think that would be a great value to get him at that. But 
20, the 24, I don't see him also going too many drafts going that soon. But we'll see again if he has a strong finish. Maybe that changes. Yeah. I thought we'd do a him or him game on him in dynasty value. So if you own Mike Stanton, or I'm sorry, Giancarlo Stanton, <laughs> are, are, <laughs> I, who are you trading him for here? I'm straight up. And I'm just going to start off right at the top and go Bryce Harper. I'm trying to pick uh, guys that are in, I, in the 20s, by the way. They're age 20s. I would take uh, Harper over Agreed. State. What about... Are we George? talking bat- batting average? Yes. Like, Standard yeah. batting average. Yeah. George Springer? Uh, that one's pretty close. I could go probably either way. Um, yeah, it's pretty close. Nothing is Springer. I think I'm taking Stanton there. Springer's awesome. I think I'm shooting there. I think I'm shooting for the upside with Stanton. Uh, man, that's probably a dumb thing to say because Springer's just a really good hitter and he can score 125 runs any season. Yeah, I, I think it's really close, that one. What about J.D. Martinez? That one, that's a guy who's about Stan, 31, 32. Stan. Agreed. And Andrew Benatendi, then? That's Stanton? Uh, no, I'd take Benatendi. Oh, okay. Taking that youth, and I, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about Benatendi later. And yeah. finally, last one, Eloy Jimenez. Eloy. Yeah, he's just so young. Yeah, so much upside there. Okay, well, what about Aaron? Yeah, I, think, Ju- I think I think Springer's the closest one. That's the one where I'd be like on the fence. I agree with you. I think that's the closest one too. Yeah. I, when when I said I'd take Stanton, I made it sound like it was uh yeah clearly Stanton. I should say yeah, it's close. Okay, let's move on to Aaron Judge. Is he still a top fifteen dynasty guy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he is. Yeah, do you think he gets? In, he's a top ten. Uh, close. Yeah, right around there. Yeah, I'm with I you. mean, whatever, whatever your opinion was with Judge going into the season, I think it should be the same now. I wouldn't have changed my mind. You know, wherever you had him then, I would pretty much have him now. I mean, he was hurt, but it's you know, dynasty league. I tend to not worry too much about injuries. It's one, you know, one thing it happened and it's over. He's back. Yeah, I would put I would have him about where I had him before the year. Yeah. Agreed. Top 10, top 12ish. That seems yeah. about right. Would you rather yeah, have Yeah, if you want yeah, if you want to take him 7 or 8, take him there, you know, it's in that spot it's just take your guy, you know. It's I think before the year I'd have taken Harper over Judge, but I do think I'd take Judge over Harper at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. One last note. Uh, I I mentioned the salary of the New York Yankees, their team salary, and I tried looking that more on roster resource, looking at franchise salaries and stuff, and judges stood out to me because he's not even to arbitration yet, and his income that he's making from the Yankees this year is $684,000. Man. (laughs) That's a pretty discount. Yeah, it's insane. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's going to start getting real expensive here soon. I think arbitration starts next year, and that means a couple years into arbitration, that guy's going to be making some bank. But in the meantime, the Yankees are getting a nice deal out of him. Yeah. We've talked Gary Sanchez recently. He's awesome. He's the number one catcher in all formats, maybe even in National League only, NL only formats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe not really true, but good joke still but um i don't have anything really to add there do you have anything on sanchez we've talked about him a couple times no he's he's uh ridiculous such a such a difference maker at that position he's awesome yep he's clearly the number one unless adley rutschman comes up and tries catching him well that's too far away to even start talking about like that being a remote possibility yeah yeah it's a little ways away so let's talk about a guy I know you are enjoying this year because I know you have at least one share, and that'd be DJ LeMahieu. He's having a pretty incredible season. And I think I read that no Major League Baseball player has ever won a batting title in both leagues before. And DJ has already done it in the National League with the Rockies. And he's currently leading the American League in batting average after a scorching hot June. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, man. He's his season is just unbelievable. I feel like he's you know, coming into the year, it was like they had this uh like too many middle infielders, pretty much. I mean, and mm-hmm. it was almost like who's gonna play and who's who's you know, are they gonna play every day, which ones are gonna play and all that. And I'll admit I, I wasn't sure exactly what was gonna happen with him. And geez, he's just—he's been the most consistent guy on the roster, you know, and that's saying a lot with this team. So, and you know, people said he's leaving cores. He's not even going to be that good anymore now that he doesn't have that. And well, yeah, he's still playing in a great hitters park, but it's not the same for right-handed hitters as it is lefties. He's just been awesome, and he's been a big—he's been the heart of that team this year because of the you know, getting on base and he's just been very exciting and yeah. good for him. Hit machine. Just been a hit machine. I've got oh. him on a couple, I've got him on a couple teams and it's like, I felt for a while, like, uh, you know, one of them is RM two. And I felt like for a while, like I was almost trying to not use him because I, he wasn't like a guy that I had projected in my lineup coming into the season. It was almost like, Oh, you know, I've got other guys I can use over him. And there just got to a point where I was like, I can't take this guy out. And now I definitely am not taking him out, you know. But there was a stretch there where I almost felt like I was going to or I wanted to, and I just never was. It's crazy. And isn't he's, he, he's only second base eligible, correct? Sec, second and third. Oh, that helps. Okay. It's huge. That yeah. helps a lot. And, and I'm pretty sure – that he's already hit the games for both to be to be uh, to qualify both next season. Good. So, I think because I'm I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I think that's right. When you're a competing dynasty team like you are in Roto Masters too, it's almost annoying to have a middle infielder on your bench that is only eligible at something like second base, just because no flexibility there in a guy. But yeah. Having that yeah. second and third, and then now since he's been so awesome, it doesn't matter. It's but before the year, 
you that could be I would I could see that being annoying as you're trying to fill rosters and trying to yeah. squeeze guys in. So let me ask you this. DD Gregorius and DJ LeMahieu are both free agents after this year. Who what do you predict is the most likely outcome of these four options going into the 2020 season? Number one, DJ LeMahieu is back with the Yankees. Two, Didi Gregorius is back with the Yankees. Three, both are back with the Yankees. And number four is neither are back. And before you answer, they have Glaber Torres and the or they have Glaber Torres already to fill one of those slots. Uh, I would say Lemayhu's more likely to be back than Didi. Crazy. I I agree with you. It's just crazy to just, think. I mean, that yeah, this the season he's having, and there. Uh, I feel like as long as this continues, or at least close to continue, you know, he's on his way to having a great season. Um, I think they'll do what they can to get him back, more so than they will Didi, I guess at this point. But I could easily that could easily not be right. I mean, but. Yeah, if I'm going with anything at this point, I would take uh, LeMahieu being back with the team. And, you know, D- Yankee Stadium, it almost feels like it was built for Didi Gregorius. <laughs> and yet we're talking about this, that he could be chosen over for DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Luke Voigt. And another one of the guys I know you've got shares of, he's the 11th ranked first baseman in fantasy value, according to fan tracks this season. And I've stubbornly been saying all year that I don't think he's a starter for, and continued thinking this guy's a fourth, fourth outfielder, a DH bench guy. And he's continued having a great season and making me wrong. Do I just need to take an L on this, Andrew? Is it time for me to give up? Yeah, just take your L. Just take the L and move on. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's just he's an on base machine. Like he's just an absolute machine at getting on base. I think his on base is like three ninety plus, and he's hitting for power, mm-hmm. and he's hitting for average. Uh, he's just he's a monster. I mean, he really is. He's been awesome. I mean. I don't know what else anyone needs to see anymore. Uh, I'll admit I was a little skeptical coming in, a little bit. You know, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel great about him. I liked him more than you, but it's not like I was all on the Luke Voigt train. I, I'm not going to act like I was, but at this point, it's hard to ignore what he's doing. Yeah, I think I agree. And I'm going to say all that and think, take the L right now. Still wouldn't shock <laughs> if next year it, it, he just like disappears and this yeah. is like a, another one of those Max Muncy deals. But I'm not saying. Well, Muncy's had happen. a huge year too. Uh, oh, Chris Taylor. There you go. Chris, yeah, yeah. Chris Taylor, one of those guys that has yeah, the great year and so, then's not heard from. I get, I get what you're saying. It's just sometimes these guys stick. And the thing with uh-huh. Voight, the thing with Voight is he walks and he hits for power. Yeah. And that combination, it's it's great. Yeah, it's great, and he's really, really good at both. So, helps a lot. 
and he also has big arms. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> that dude, dude man. You Dan don't want to get, like, get. Wow, you don't want to get that in a guy's fight jacked. with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get in a fight with him. Nope, nope. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to pitching. Uh, they've got plenty of hitters we could still talk about, but I think we need to at least move on here and. We'll talk about the big three arms that they have had this year. And Tanaka, he's still Tanaka, having another solid, dependable season for New York. James Paxton came over from Seattle, and he has seen his ERA hike up a bit. It's currently at 4.34, as I was making my notes on Monday afternoon. But what surprised me is that the home runs per nine are pretty even with last year. The main thing I'm seeing is walks are up this year at almost four per nine. And then we got Domingo Herman. And I think I remember, Andrew, you plugging Herman before the season on our Pitcher Preview podcast. And I think we've talked about that on the show since. But he's had a great year. 9-2, ERA, 77 strikeouts and in 70 innings. And I think he's supposed to return from the injured list this week after being put on there in early June with a hip injury. So, Andrew, rest of the season, rank those three guys. Uh, I think I would go Paxton one, Tanaka two, Herman three. Um, I like Herman when he's in there, but I don't know. I, I feel like he could have some limited innings, you know, that they kind of, they're not going to, it's not like he's going to get a full workload the rest of the way. I don't think. So that's why I go with the other two, but no order of those three would, would completely shock me. Well, as I was thinking about it, I really didn't know my answer. I think I would go Tanaka for this. What's weird to say the safety. And, but yeah, I think you could throw those three in a hat, and I really wouldn't be surprised any order they finish and how close I feel they are, which is pretty impressive that they got three guys up there now. Yeah. Okay. I asked you this question before, and I'm going to ask it again also now that we're past the halfway point of the season. Over, under, one inning pitched for Luis Severino this year. What's even the latest news on him? I haven't even looked. Oh, I'll, I'll admit, I'll admit I've totally lost track of him because I don't own him anywhere. And I've just kind of like, well, you know, I feel like I haven't heard anything big, but. No, there is nothing big going on. I think they're still saying they expect him to be back and there hasn't been any big setbacks. I'm looking right now on June 30th. He had his throwing program shut down Saturday and isn't expected to return from the 60-day IL until late August at the earliest. I don't think I read this blurb. This is why I was sick. Yeah, I'll take the uh, I'll take the over on one inning, but I mean it's guess. Uh, I think I don't like predicting when if somebody's going to not be hurt. I it's just yeah, it's just silly to me. I don't yeah. really know. You know, it's, do- it's guessing. I'm sure they'd love to get him in there late September, even if it's a few innings to throw him in the playoffs. But if oh, hearing no. that, I don't think they can go unless something gets real bad. I don't think they even have time to get him back as a starter, especially if he has Maybe any not. more hiccups. Maybe not. They could use him as like a super reliever in the playoffs uh-huh. or something. Yeah, I could see that. 
I mean, any way that he could contribute to their team late in the year is probably only going to be a positive for them. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I don't really think there's too much of a scenario where he comes back and he's awful. They just need to get him back and get him going, you know, whatever capacity that is, whether it's starting or, you know, like I said, as a kind of a super reliever type. He could be that Lance McCullers role that McCullers had in the playoffs there a couple years ago. Yeah. That could be Severino. I I could see that. That's just what the Yankees need. I was thinking they really needed some, something like that. Some other strong bullpen piece. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's move on to the prospects and most prospect fantasy ranks. I see don't have Yankees really in the top 50. But they seem well-stocked with prospects after that. Debbie Garcia, he's a pretty sexy name this year. Luis Gill, Esteban Floreal, Antonio Cabello, Everson, Everton, Everson Pereira, right? Pereira, I think. Yeah. 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 These are headliners, and there are more guys behind them. So, Andrew, who on that list are, sticks out to you as most interesting? Uh, I like a few of their guys. I mean, Floreal's kind of the toolsy, uh, toolsy guy that isn't the greatest hitter. So, you know, there's people that will buy into that. Cabello's been pretty awful so far this year, but I still like him. Him and Pereira are kind of similar age type and type, you know, like just kind of tooled up, but just low, you know, low, low minors. Um Kane and Smith's having a really good season. And uh, I picked up Alexander Vargas in a couple leagues this week. So he was actually my main target this week in a couple dynasty leagues. He was unowned and I grabbed him. He was like a top 10-ish J2 guy last year, this past year. And he was available in a couple of my leagues. So picked him up. But yeah, they got some good ones to find. They got several. They got several guys. Anthony Siegler, catching prospect. That's interesting, but these guys are all really young, so still a ways away. I will say, Davy Garcia. Got to mention him too. I mean, he's been yeah. insane. He's been insane this year, like absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. I think I've... his. I don't know if it was his last start, but 15 Ks. Um, and a no hitter. I. I I know the no-hitter was a combined no-hitter. I think he went seven. I could be wrong on that. but And I don't know if it was the same game as he had the 15Ks. I can't remember. But he's basically just been absolutely insane every time out. So the, one, the, yeah. weird, th- the weird thing with him is he's 5'9". Isn't yeah, that just, I've heard he's tiny. Yeah, that is it, – it makes me – like there's people that are pumped about him, and I get it based on the year he's having, but – it makes me just a little hesitant. Like five nine in the AL East, right? Uh, if I had a chair, I'd be moving him. Yeah, I, I just—I mean, maybe, don't get me wrong; he's having a great season. I don't want to diminish that, but that seems like uh, seems like a tough way to make a living being a five nine righty in the AL East. Feels like a ticking time bomb, and it's, it's like and, what Marcus Stroman is. I mean, that's—he's basically—I mean, size wise, yeah, you know. It's tough. 
I just – it's hard to make it as a starting pitcher that way. And when you're on an organization like the Yankees where they may want to use him as a super reliever type guy because of that. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure they'd yeah. love to keep him as a starter. And I just – if I had him, maybe I'd hold on to him through the end of this year, but I'd be trying to move him in the next year before he made the majors. I just it, – it'd make me too nervous because of the size and everything else. Yeah. And they also today is July second as we are recording this, which means it's the J two day, and they got the yep. big prized J two guy from what I hear. I don't know much about him yet, but I hear he's absolutely tooled up. I don't even remember his name right off the bat. Yeah. You, you know Jason, his name, right? Jason Dominguez. Yeah, he's yeah. number one, number one J two guy. Yeah, I hear tooled up man right there. So that that actually he'll be their number one prospect on these lists after all this is all said and done. Yeah, most likely. Okay, next up we got the Tampa Bay Rays, and this is a team that's on the rise. I think, Andrew, you and I both had them as wildcard teams this year. Is that correct? You had them as a wildcard also? Yeah, yeah, I had them as uh, my second wildcard, I believe. As did I. And right now it looks like they're going to be there in the driver's seat for the number one wildcard slot. And this is while they are on a payroll projected to finish at $64 million. Crazy. That they're yeah. looking like they could be a playoff team with a third of the payroll that the teams like Yankees and Red Sox have. Or Actually, we'll get to the Red Sox payroll here on the next episode. But top to bottom, this is a very, very good-looking major league and minor league roster right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're really loaded. I mean, they they've got a lot of talent in the majors and all the way through the minors. One of the top uh, farm systems in the minor leagues, for sure. For sure, or one of the top farm systems in baseball. I guess minor leagues. It's kind of <laughs> oxy- oxymoron, but you get well it. that that shows how good I was listening. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So we'll start off talking about Austin Meadows. This is a guy who I have a lot of shares of, and he was a fantasy MVP through the first two months of the season. Started out hot in April. Then he heard his thumb sliding into uh, base in the middle of the month and missed two or three weeks, came back right at the end of April. And he returned and was hot again. As of June 10th, I looked, I went and did some digging on him. He had a 341 batting average with 12 home runs, eight stolen bases, 32 runs and 38 RBI through 48 games. He was striking out at a reasonable 21% of his plate appearances, and he was walking 10% of the time. He was flat-out awesome. And since then, he's been pretty ice cold, hitting 159 with zero home runs or stolen bases, two runs and three RBI in the last 18 games going into Monday afternoon. He struck out 30% of his plate appearances, and he's walked in 6, 6.7% of the time. Andrew, I have Meadows' shares in both dynasties, and I think you have a share in one of yours. Are you mad at yourself for not selling when his value was so hot a month ago, or do you feel this is just a cold streak and he will be fine? Uh, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. think I agree with you. It's not been pretty lately, and I think, again, I was looking tonight, he was 0 for 4 with 2 Ks. I think something's off, his timing's off, 
but I don't think you go from being this good of a hitter for the first, you know, third of the season. And he was also a great hitter the last month and a half of last season too, to just being this bad. Now, Jose Ramirez is trying to prove me wrong, prove me wrong on that, but that's another conversation for another day. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd be holding on to him and I still believe. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I don't know if, um, I think there was a point probably, I don't know, a month to two months ago where if you did sell, you may not regret it because I just, it's not that I don't think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine, but I think that he will ultimately settle in below where he was valued a month or two ago. So if you look at it from that point of view, you know, I, I think he was probably close to peaked out at that point, but we'll see. I mean, sometimes if you just maintain people trust it more and it bumps you up. So it could happen with him. That's fair. Okay. I got a dynasty him or him game here with some other young hitters. That's one. I'm going to be curious to see where he kind of lands. Uh, we're going to start again. We're talking batting average league, Austin Meadows or Joey Gallo. Actually, no, I'm going to start at the other start. Yeah. Go on and answer Gallo. And then I'm going to move. Um, Gallo. I figured now I'm going to swing this but to the other d- end. They're very different though. It's, yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a weird, that's an odd one, you know? Okay. Actually, no, I'm going to stay at the top here and work my way down. Glaber Torres. Uh, Glaber. Okay. Pete Alonzo. Man, that's tough. It's close. I don't know. I'll let you answer that one. I think that it's close. I think I'd go Alonzo. Man, he's just hit... The guy may hit 50 home runs this year. Yeah. And yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I, I think I probably would, too, actually. But it's I think it's close. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Nick Senzel. Man, I like Senzel, I think, more than most. I think that one's close, too, but I think I'd take Senzel. So we're floating in the area no matter what. I'm going to keep saying yeah, guys. Yeah, until we you- are. We are. I'm going to keep saying guys until you finally say clearly one. Clearly, Meadows. Um, Ozzy Albies, another boy I know you love. Yeah, I'm taking Albies. I figured. Again, again close. These are all, he's in this neighborhood. Ben Attendee. Ben Attendee. Keston Hira. Meadows. Okay. So we're getting down to that. I got to like Byron Buxton. But even that. Yeah, now Meadows. I would take Meadows over Buxton. Okay. Which. Yeah, I think those are still close. Yeah, but right in that range. I think he's, in, high... he's in with the he's in with these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. if you prefer, you know, if some people are going to prefer certain ones to others. That's fine. I mean. He's in there. I, I'm not going to blink if somebody had Meadows the first on this list of all those names listed. I really am not, but I'm also not going to blink if every name we listed 
they've got them last. They really, yeah. it's all, it's personal preference at that point where what we're saying is he's in that range. So yeah. That's, that says a lot. Uh, rest of season Meadows or Tommy Pham, who's also having another solid season. Uh, I'd probably go Meadows, but smart answer might be Pham. And I brought that up, and my next question was, is Pham underappreciated? I mean, he's got 13 home runs, 7 steals, 284 batting average. Seems like he's quietly getting it done this year again. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I think he's probably under underappreciated by the masses, most likely, yeah. He sure was by the Cardinals front office. Glad we gave him away for nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a bad one, wasn't it? It was yeah. uh, Genesis Cabrera, was it? Oh, gosh, yeah. I don't even remember. I've tried to block it out. Usually. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember yeah. either. I, I'm pretty sure you're right, though, because when Cabrera came up and was pitching for the Cardinals this year, they brought there were some tweets about that. Mm, yeah. It's okay. The Cardinals have got so many superstar outfielders. I understand they didn't need fam. They need a Genesis Cabrera. <laughs> I don't. I don't know for sure if uh, if that's who it was, but I think you're right. I think you're right. It was. Yep. Justin Williams, Genesis Cabrera, and Roel Ramirez. <sighs> superstars, right there. A lot of superstars we got back. All right, we better get on before I start drinking. Uh, Brandon <laughs> Lau, he's hitting two seventy one with fifteen home runs and four steals here at the halfway point. And I predicted he'd have a big season. I think I even said he'd be like a top eight finisher amongst second basemen in OBP leagues. But despite saying that back then, I feel he's one of the guys I'd be trying my hardest to sell high right now if I had a share. What do you say, Andrew? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I've kind of been thinking that too. But I'm just not in a spot where I have to think about it because... I have one share, and it's a draft and hold. So, yeah, he's been good. He had a combo meal tonight. Combo meal, nice. Yeah, yeah. this was a night where aren't they playing Baltimore t- right now? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Are. I I grabbed a couple Rays hitters in my draft or my DFS lineup tonight. Unfortunately, he was not one of them, but I think I did put Fam in there. And yeah. 34% strikeout rate. That is very alarming. That, you know, looking at his strikeout rate and what he's done so far, I can't help but remember Ian Happ and how bad he, you know, he came up and was hitting real well but striking out a lot and how that yeah. ended for him. And I'm not saying it's going to end the same way, but wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you. All right. Let's move on to pitching. And we're going to talk about Blake Snell first. Our reigning Cy Young Award winner has had a rough follow-up season here this year. Andrew, I know you were down on him for where he was going in drafts going into the year. Not really as much him the pitcher as much as just where his value was. And so far, you're looking pretty good here. Yeah, I I mean, it's he hasn't been good, but um, he... To be totally fair, he has been really unlucky. I mean, it's he's his peripherals are still pretty much in line with what he did last year, and I'm sure over the second half things will get better. But yeah, he hasn't been good so far. 
that's pretty clear. I'm glad you said that because that is exactly say, where I was. I should go. say uh, I should say just the surface stats haven't been great. You know, 487 ERA and stuff. I'm not. He hasn't really been terrible if you look deep into the numbers, but um, yeah, it's not the you haven't gotten the ace production that you paid for. Put it that way. Yep. Matt, strikeouts are actually up over a strikeout per inning, which that he's also facing more guys because he's giving up more hits, getting more guys are getting on. But his XFIP is actually right now lower than it was the year before last year in the Cy Young season. It's close, but it's pretty much the same. Basically, it's the same. And that's to say, yeah, this is a buying opportunity if you can find somebody frustrated, especially in a redraft league. I think. You can find some owners who are seeing that 487 ERA and they're just who drafted him in the second round. And you might be able to give him a, well, let me ask you this. Let's rest the season. If, if you had Luis Castillo or somebody off, yeah, if you had Luis Castillo and someone and you could trade him for Blake Snell, who are you taking? Blake Snell. Yeah. And I think that's a deal some people are making right now. Yeah. Probably. Worth a shot. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we got Charlie Morton, and he's picked up right where he left off with Houston after signing a two-year $30 million deal with the Rays this last offseason, and that comes with a 2021 option. His ratios are as good or better than they were last year, and that's interesting. I think, I don't know if you remember, but before the year when we talked about him, I mentioned a little fear about how when he went to Houston, they, it, he, he was pitching all right, but he wasn't the superstar until he got there. And they signed him, and he, even he was asking them, why do you guys want me? Because he wasn't sure why. And they, they had seen something in him that, that they could get their hands on and maybe get him to hit another level, and that's what happened. And I kind of worried about him getting outside of that organization, what would happen, but... He's pitching as good, if not better, with all of his ratios, if you really look at him. And I went and looked. He was the 29th starting pitcher off the board in NFBC drafts in this past offseason. And I'm thinking next year, he belongs inside the top 20, or at least he's going to be there for me. Yeah, Morton's been such a stud, man. His, his, His career path has been so fascinating. It's like, it just felt like the early stages of his career when most guys are really good and coming into their own and, you know, and then, you know, you get to that point and then you tail off. He's done like the opposite of everything. It was like the part where he was supposed to be good. He was pretty much a nobody. And now he's ridiculous in his mid thirties, you know, it's just uh, kind of backwards from what you expect from guys. But, yeah, he's he's been great. His career has been all over the board when you go look. It's pretty nutty to see. Ah, What's funny is, you want to hear something funny? And I know this was a long time ago, but this just gives you, like, an idea. His minor league numbers in his career, 405 ERA, and a 143 whip. 
over about 820 innings. Oh my word! With with nowhere near a K an inning, not even close. So yeah. I and and I know that that's going back a long time, but it's just kind of cool to see a guy that's found himself, you know, in the in this stage because there was a while there where there was nothing, you know, it was injuries and you know lackluster performance and just not much. So it's it's cool. It's different. That is, and it's good for him and good for the race for getting out there and signing that guy. Yeah. That's gonna. That's a great contract right now. That's maybe the best free agent contract signed. I mean, I think that one and LeMahieu are the ones that I hear people say are the best contract signed this offseason. And yeah. good for them. Yep. We talked Tyler Glass now a lot earlier this season. He's been out since May 11th with a forearm strain. And he did tell reporters this past Sunday that he's optimistic he will pitch again after getting positive reports for medical tests. I hope he's right, as he was moving into ace territory before his injury. That you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. Um, the one thing I will say is, uh, I kind of had to laugh, and not laugh in the sense that laugh isn't the right term, but um, when he he's definitely on the path to being an ace, like he's a total stud when he's healthy. But I just it when he when that report came out, it wasn't too long ago, two to three weeks ago, maybe when they said that he had like some type of setback or he wasn't um, wasn't ready, whatever it was. I can't remember exactly, but it just made me laugh because I remember when he got hurt. Thinking and saying and I don't know if you remember, but I wound up dropping him in that league we had talked about on a previous podcast. The reason was. The reason was, was because I knew, absolutely knew they were going to take their time with this. There's no way they're going to rush it. And I wound up making that decision. I don't know if I ever said anything about it afterwards, but it just kind of made me, you know, snicker a little bit when I saw that they were being cautious with it. Because it's like, well, no kidding, they're going to. Yeah. So he's a prize. Yeah, they're not, they are not, they're not going to rush this guy back at all. I mean, and you know, obviously you hope nothing further goes wrong, but if it does, I mean, it might be the rest of the year, but I think he'll be back before the end of the season. Yep. Man, I I hope, I hope so. Man, that team, they could have a McKay. Glass now, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell rotation here next yeah. year. That's pretty fun. And speaking of McKay, I just brought him up. He had his debut as a starter this past Saturday. Pitched pretty well. Six shutout innings, three strikeouts, one walk. So, Andrew, were you chasing him in fab this past weekend in redrafts? And that's question one. And how do you think he'll be this year as a pitcher? Uh. I think it'll be pretty good. I bid on him in a couple redraft leagues. Didn't get him in my uh, TGFBI league. He went for four twenty-five out of out of a thousand, and I bid like in the one thirties. I don't even think I had four twenty-five, um, but yeah, he went for a lot. And then in my other league, he went for around like eighty, and I think I bid sixty-ish. That's a twelve-teamer, so 
the bidding's not as high just because there's more talent on the wire, so you don't have to bid as high generally, unless it's a crazy guy like Jordan or Riley or whatever, you know. But, um, but yeah, I think he'll be good the rest of the year as long as they let him pitch. Obviously, I mean, there's always the risk of, you know, if he goes out and gets crushed, he goes down. But I feel pretty good about him. I think he'll be good. How do you think he'll be as a hitter? I haven't even thought that much about him as a hitter this year, just because I didn't even know if they were going to do that. I think they're actually uh, playing him as DH. No, I, yeah. it was last night they played him at DH. Yeah, I think I heard that they – I didn't even see what he did. Did you happen to see what he did? 0 for 4, no strikeouts is what I, I – oh, okay. I'm looking right now to double check, but I'm almost certain I looked this morning. Yeah. Morning. And saw zero for four. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. You know, really, as a hitter, I mean, I'm sure it could be okay, but um, I mostly just view him as a pitcher for now. Yeah, he did not hit tonight, but he was over for four last night. Yeah. I I don't know if his I don't think his bat's ready. I know he was struggling in Double A and Triple A, as it, and but his arm was doing so well, they just kept moving him up. I was shocked. I honestly would have taken the under under 25 at bats this season and yeah. seeing that they've already played started a game. I think I might have been wrong there, but I still don't think he's going to be able to make it as a hitter quite yet. Maybe I don't know if he'll ever, he ever will be that great of a hitter, but I also said that about Shohei Otani last year. So what do I know? Okay. Um, let's move on to prospects here. And the Rays have them, including the new number one prospect on a lot of lists now that Vlad Jr. has officially moved off the prospect list. He's no longer eligible. And that'd be Wander Franco, who was just called up to high A a week ago. And I said Franco. I should say Franco is off to a good start in high A. When I last looked, he had played five games, already had two home runs, stole a base, walked four times, hadn't even struck out once. She whiz now after saying that i want to bring up your post on the baseball 365 page that you made monday morning where you suggested that they should keep pushing them a la juan soto why don't you tell your listeners about kind of your thoughts on that uh well basically i was just saying that i feel like the spot that they're in I mean, they're they're clearly contending. You know, they have a chance to win the division still. I mean, they're five and a half, I think, behind the Yankees. Um, and when it gets late in the season, you know, these teams, they you all you pretty much always see. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you pretty much always see if a team is in contention late in the year, they're pulling out all the stops. I mean, the guys are getting called up that are, you know, at all deserving. I mean, they're, or, you know, anybody they need or anything like that. And I just, I just kind of was thinking about it. And it's like, this guy is pretty clearly now with the recent graduations, the best prospect in baseball. And he's only at high A, but it's like he crushed it. He's crushed low A. He's crushing high A. I just feel like they need to push him. And not take anything off the table as far as what happens beyond that. Because push if you put him in double A 
and he starts hitting. Or, you know, and he is keeps hitting. I shouldn't say starts because he always has. But if he keeps hitting, I just don't really get why you wouldn't at least consider. I'm not saying for sure that they have to do it. I'm not even really predicting that they will. They probably won't. But at least consider moving him up if he hits double A. He has to hit double A pitching because that's the big test. For a guy like that, there's really no need for triple A. I mean, triple A is just an extension of the major league bench, essentially. But, man, I I tell you, I, it's in the back of my mind. But I feel like if they are considering it, they need to move him up soon to get that larger sample at double A and, you know, just find out. Because if you have... Like, let's say they moved him up this week or like in a week. They would basically have about two months to see him at double A to see if he, you know, and if he just smashes double A like he's done everywhere else. I mean, you got Will. I, the other day I looked, they had Willie Adamas, Brandon Lau, who, you know, Brandon Lau's been fine, but I think we, we both said we see a little regression happen in there. And Joey Wendell, that was like their second base shortstop, third base. I mean, are you really confident that Wander isn't better than one of those three? I'm not. So, I don't know. It's just something I would be thinking about if I was them. I'd at least be pushing them. And I'll, I think the Rays should have handled this. Let me just, to- real quick, one more thing. They mm-hmm. need, they have the one thing is, is if they do move him up to double A, which they should, and he slows down, all this is off the table. You don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm doing it, I'm saying all this under the assumption that he keeps hitting the way he has. If that slows down, you don't bring him up. Yeah. Tampa's seeing a window opening up right now that they don't always have. And. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I was listening to you talk, and I hadn't thought about this yet, but Ronald Acuna, two years ago, had that rise from the low A all the way up to triple A. And, you know, we talk a lot about what Soto did last year, but Wander had that huge, or I'm sorry, Acuna had that huge jump. And I think the thing where the Rays misstepped is they probably should have gotten him to high A sooner. Because if they had done that, They'd have had a little more time to watch him dominate and get up to double A and get to triple A and actually feel. I, I think it may be a little too late, but I could be wrong. Maybe maybe there's still enough time. There are two months. Yeah, I but think, man, I don't know if they'll do it. I, I I really don't. I mean, I'm not saying they will, but it it's just it's just one of those things. I I think that you have to consider it. And the other thing that I don't really like, you know. There's people out there that are, will say, well, the Rays are just starting to open up their competitive window, and they're going to be good for several years. And that, <laughs> may, that may be the case, but it also may not. I mean, let's and be honest. that division? Let's be yeah. honest here. Boston, and we'll get to Boston, but they are having about as bad of a season as you could have predicted Boston to have this year. Mm-hmm. They're barely over 500, and I would be willing to bet a fair sum of money 
that they will be better next season than they are yes. this season. So that's what I'm saying is, you know, people could say that all they want. Tampa can easily finish third in this division, even this year, but definitely next year. And as you project further out, you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, guys are yep. leaving and, you know, you just never know. It's, I don't know. I'd be considering it if I was them. I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I just would be, I would definitely be considering it. It's an interesting thought. That's why I wanted to bring it up here and ask you about it. Okay. Well, let's talk about a couple more of their prospects. They've got quite a few of them, and I'm going to bring up three hitters here that are all in the top 100 and ask you to rank these three guys. Nate Lowe, Vidal Brujan, and Jesus Sanchez. How would you rank those three? For uh, Dynasty? Yes. Brujan, Lowe, Sanchez. Yeah, I have the same three. Same order. Brujan... I think we've talked about him whenever we did our dynasty podcast about how he just seems like a, I mean, that's a uh, speed's hard to find. He takes walks. It's a nice combo to have. Yeah. Everything, everything, same reason we loved Garrett Hampson before the year, but that isn't something you should put against Brujan. But, um, and then low number two and Sanchez, who I did look at Sanchez and, you know, you and I were both not too keen on him. And when, as compared to, other people where he was ranked before the year, but he's had a pretty good year. And what's impressed me is he is being a little more selective at the plate, which was my big beef with him before power hitting a guy who didn't walk much, which that sometimes can end real ugly. But I will say he's impressed me with a little more this year, looking at the stats as we were going through here. Okay. Um, who would you rather have as your number one of these prospect pitchers? We got, this is a, this is not an easy one here. Matt Libertor, Shane Baz, and Brent Honeywell. Whew, man. Um, I would probably take Honeywell. Okay. But it's close. I, I, th- I like Libertor a lot, but... Low he's just he's just far enough away that I would rather take the guy that's close with pitching. I would rather do that with a bat. I wouldn't care as much. I would just take the talent. But yeah, in this scenario, I would I would just rather take Honeywell. It sucks what's happened with him with the injuries. And Baz has been really good this year too. He's been mm-hmm. stud. So still in the yeah, low minor, so. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fair question, though, for sure. They're close. Yeah, I agree. I'm taking Honeywell also. And Libertor, this is the way I'd put it. I I think I've more fallen in line with your way of thinking. You you have to be an uber special talent like a, um, oh my gosh, Tristan, uh, not Tristan McKenzie, McKenzie Gore type guy if you're going to be in the low minors and me really want you. Yeah, the the only thing... The only thing is, though, I'm not sure Libertor isn't that. I think he could be pretty awesome, but I'm not as sure on it. You know, exactly. You're not, you're not as sure yet. Yeah, yeah. It's not that he isn't. It's that you're not convinced he is yet. And that's kind of what where I'm at with him. I know everybody seems to really like him, but yeah. 
it's just you don't know yet and until i start hearing rumblings of that and i start seeing some things to change my mind yeah i'm just i'm not overly high on him because of it yet okay what about uh any of the lower ranked guys they do have a bunch of them still out here is there anybody else you kind of like you got your eye on not specifically no not really nobody that jumps out I did pick up Alejandro P.A., who's down in rookie ball, and he's been catching some eyes. He's another one of those guys that, a rabbit, who isn't, who's getting the bat on the ball pretty well and not walking a ton, but he's impressing so far down there in rookie ball this year. So I did grab a piece for, grabbed him to get a share, but it's a flyer. It's an upside guy, but it is a flyer, but he's moving up some rankings. So, yeah, definitely got, he is. A guy, if you play in a dynasty league with 300 minor leaguers, he's worth checking to see if he's owned. Because if he is out there, he's probably worth dropping your worst prospect for. Unless, I mean, you have to have an absolutely loaded farm system. Okay, Andrew. Well, that closes out what we're going to do in this. I'm glad, sure I'm glad we decided to cut this one because we managed to talk for an hour just on the two those two teams, which I will add, they are ridiculously loaded teams. And as I was making my notes, I realized there was a lot of guys to talk about. But, man, we still got yeah. three more teams to talk about. Yeah, it might be a little quicker when we get to Baltimore. <laughs> yes, it will. But anyway, we enjoyed I'm, – I'm, we appreciate you all listening. And we're going to be back just in a couple of days with the Boston Red Sox. We're going to talk the Toronto Blue Jays. We might even get a little bit of Vlad Guerrero talk in there. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, we'll probably get a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, you have anything else you want to t- mention before we get out of here? No, that's, that, uh, that does it for now. All right. Well, we appreciate you all. Take care, everybody. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.